0: Thank you for listening to the All Souls Church Sermon Podcast. We are a counter-formational community devoted to following Jesus together in real life. For more information, go to allsouls.church. All right. We're going to be in Psalm 146, and it's going to be a short sermon. You got the clock ready for me? I need the clock because uh, or I'll just keep going. Um, so uh, let me just give you a couple of things. Psalm 146. Uh, we're going to be in verse 5. And it's also going to be up on the screen. But uh, if you grab one of the Bibles around the room, I don't have the page number here. Does anybody have it for me? 535. 535. Great. 525, Psalm 146. We're just going to read a few verses of this passage. Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up, lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, wicked he will bring to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right, a couple of things. Um, First is, at our church, we talk about that we are a counter-formational community devoted to following Jesus together in real life. So what we mean by that is that we have all been formed by this world. We've been formed by our relationships, by our family of origin, by uh, the country, the state that we live in, uh, the city that we grew up in. We're formed by the relationships that we have. We're always being formed. And some of that formation can be good, and some of that formation can be not so good because this world forms us in some broken ways. So we want to, here as a church, counterform according to the gospel and according to scripture. And when it comes to justice, I think that all of us could use some counterformation, Primarily because every human I've ever met, even the best of humans, have a streak of selfishness in them. Can I get an amen? And we all do. We all struggle with that. And this is one of the reasons why injustice prevails, is because we can always justify not doing justice, not doing what is right. I remember I was golfing with a friend uh, several years ago, and this friend happened to be a police officer. And, um, you know, I know he was a worship leader at our church and a deacon and everything, but as he became a police officer, I just noticed that he started getting very jaded, very jaded about the world, very jaded about God. Uh, his marriage began really struggling, um, and his attitude towards people began really changing. Now, I'm not saying this is true of all police officers, this was just my friend. And uh, one of the things that started, he started saying things about This was a white guy, and he started saying things about some minority groups that I was just like, what are you talking?" I had to like rebuke him while we were playing golf, and I had to say, what are you talking about, man? And in his work as a police officer, he began to become uh, jaded also towards just criminals and very poor people and very broken people. And uh, so a lot of our time on the golf course was actually me counseling him uh, rather than enjoying golf. (laughs) But here's what happened one day. After having all these conversations, and I'm trying to uh, help him balance and think through the scripture, uh, he says, he tells me about this, this place, uh, well there's this place outside of Reno where I was pastoring at the time, it's called Sun Valley, and Sun Valley has the highest per capita of felons of anywhere in the United States, it also has the highest percentage of meth of anywhere in the United States, and it is a massive valley that is filled with trailer parks. Just as far as the eye can see, trailer parks. And most of the people that live in the uh, Sun Valley up there in Reno are either very poor white people or very poor Hispanic people. And so what it ended up happening is in, in, the situ- in that situation, some of the white uh, folks that were very poor and broken and in bad situations started, started white supremacist gangs. And then uh, there were some Latino gangs as well. So there was gang violence, drugs, and... The, the worst poverty you can imagine just everywhere that you turn. And we were talking about some of the stops that he has to do when he goes to some of these houses and what he's seen. He's seen kids that hadn't had been fending for themselves for a week because their parents were on a meth bender and in and out of the house. Uh, he, he knew of kids that were not getting sent to school because they where they what their parents were doing and what was going on in their life. He knew of kids that would be abandoned for a week at a time at seven years old. Uh, because their parents were off either in the gangs or with drugs or just the 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 power of poverty was just crushing uh, these people and so in light of all that I was able to say to him one day when he was telling me all this I was able to say hey do you think that those kids have the same chance as your kids and he had been kind of uh, you know change like I said changing a lot of his philosophy and he was he kind of stopped in his tracks he was like no those kids don't have a chance now, we all know that there's some like stories of people getting out of poverty, the one-in-a-million stories that they make books and movies about. But what about the other ones, the non-one-in-a-million people? There's people being crushed every day. And it's not simply because they're lazy or they can't get their act together or they just don't want, it's none of those things. In reality, most of the time when people get into uh, crime and drugs and are in that kind of depth of poverty is because they're at the bottom of the system and the system is crushing them and the, the, the weight of any system you always have the more wealthy people that have less effects of the fall and less effects of the brokenness of that society and you always have people that you know as you go down less uh, more and more of the effects have you but at the bottom rung people are just getting crushed and I think in this society, we have people in the middle class that are have, just kind of barely keeping it together, just barely making it, but it's enough to keep them happy. And then you have upper middle class and on up from there. But then you have people that are living in dire poverty. And what's interesting, too, is uh, in some of these inner city schools, there was an inner city school that we worked with in Reno, uh, You know, you think that everybody has the same chance in all the different schools, but the reality is they just don't. They don't have some of the services that other schools have. And the things that the kids are facing are unbelievable. So this was at the school my kids went to, and there was uh, one boy whose mother was an evening dancer, if you know what I mean. So he would get home from school, and he would uh, see his mom for a couple of hours, and then she would go off to work, and they lived in a motel, and this kid's like six, seven years old, and he spent the whole evening in the motel by himself while his mom uh, was out until all hours of the morning. He would see his mom briefly in the morning go to school. And then the teachers were wondering, why is this kid such a pain? Why won't he do his homework? How come he's getting such bad grades? And it's easy to look at a kid like that and go, man, that kid's just a problem. But behind that problem... There's way deeper problems that that kid is not responsible for. He's put in a situation in this world where he's, he feels the weight and the brokenness of it. Now, we as Christians are called to be the ones that pray and care about those folks. Uh, we're, we're not the ones that say, you know what, if they would just get their act together and get a job and take care of their business. We don't say that. Because we know that we have what we have by grace. That God has just given us what we have by grace. That even our salvation comes to us by grace, not anything that we earn. And we know that we had nothing to do with the country that we were born in and the family that we were born in and the the benefits that we had. We had nothing to do that. It's just given to us and we receive it. But it's so easy to look down our nose at somebody who didn't receive that same benefit to begin with. And what the Bible is constantly saying is, the people of God are different in this respect. The people of God are looking to meet those needs. The people of God care about those needs. Micah 6.8, uh, God says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God so to walk humbly you're not thinking you're better than other people to walk with kindness means that your first gut reaction is I got it right and they're wrong but instead understanding where people are at and seeking to understand where they're at and to do justice there is the reason why people are being crushed by poverty and crime is because of injustice now is there culpability Do they sin? Do they make wrong choices? Of course, we all do. But when you're in a situation of poverty, when you're ground down, the effects on you are much deeper, much bigger than if you have certain privileges and uh, things that are given to you the justified by grace do justice by grace you have been justified by God God has declared you right because you put your faith in Jesus and he says you are right you are just you are justified you are righteous before me not because of anything you did or ever will do. In fact, uh, what he does is he takes your sins upon himself and then he gives you his righteousness that he earned during the 30 years of his life here on earth, the 33 years of his life here on earth. We fulfilled the law perfectly. That is given to you. That is what we mean when we say justification. You didn't earn it. You, you didn't uh, even uh, seek it first. God sought you before you sought it. All of it is completely by grace. So now, as a person who has been saved by grace, we want to live lives in this real world giving the grace that we've received and establishing justice wherever we can. All right, so let's let's break this verse down that we just read just a minute ago. Uh, It says, God executes justice for the oppressed. What it's talking about there is he's talking about the poorest, the poorest of the poor. Usually in any um, country, this also would include, usually it would include the minorities in that country. It also, in the Bible and in every modern country today, includes immigrants and refugees. People are fleeing their countries uh, because of violence or drug cartels or Whatever. Certainly you can understand, even though they're crossing into our country illegally, certainly you can understand if you were in a war-torn area, your family's in a war-torn area, drug dealers are running the streets, you have no option, your options either are fall in line with the drug runners or live outside of that and be uh, subjugated, possibly killed, uh, but not treated with any kind of respect and left out, maybe threatened, Wouldn't you take your family and try and get out of that situation? Of course, any of us would. I'm not saying it justifies (laughs) uh, breaking the law, but I'm saying you can certainly understand why somebody would do that in that situation. Well, God is the kind of God that cares about those people in those situations. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible. Over 2,000 instructing Christians to care for those, the least of these, the poor, the broken, the immigrant, the minority, the outsider, the refugee. Over 2,000 verses. And there's exactly zero verses in the Bible about fighting a culture war. Now, I look across this landscape of Christianity right now, and I see all these Christians all upset about the culture war and trying to fight a culture war. And I, you know, I don't see a whole lot of emphasis in the American church on justice and care for the poor and the ironic thing about that is if we would just do the thing that God told us to do which is care for the poor we would have unbelievable influence in the society and country but because we don't do that well we're known for other things aren't we I mean, this is the Christian church in America. Are we known for those are the people that care for the least of these. Those are the people that bend over backwards for the poor. Those are the people that stand up and fight against oppression. Those are the people that stand up with minorities when they're being oppressed. Those are the people that always stand with the refugee and the immigrant and feed them and care for them. The Christians, we don't like what they believe about Jesus. We don't like what they believe about God. But man, they are amazing benefit to our society. Has anybody ever said that about American Christians? No. What the world out there thinks of us as American Christians is self-righteous, we're all about political power, and we hate gay people that's what we're known for and if we would obey god and put our emphasis on caring where he's called us to care and feeding where he's called us to feed we would have the influence that we're looking for but because we don't bring benefit to the society society and all we do is complain and yell at the other side well here we are but that's not like our god Look at our, look what our God does. He, he executes justice for the oppressed. In other, in other words, let me give you a couple examples. In the Old Testament, he put all these laws in the Old Testament to specifically care for the poor and specifically care for those that were ground down by society, and he put checks and balances on the rich. Okay, So what the, the, in the Old Testament, the Mosaic law had set up was capitalism with a socialistic reset button. What that means is this. Capitalism was what we have in the United States. And in a lot of ways it's very good. But the downside of it is is there's no checks and balances on it. So the rich just keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. Uh, you may not know this, but 10% of the people in this country own 70% of the wealth in this country. But yet we have all these people living on the streets We have all these people in poverty, we have schools that are barely functioning. Okay, So God looks at that and says that's an injustice. And so when he sets up Israel, he sets it up so that you can gain wealth with some capitalism, but there's a check on it because every seven years there were things that scaled it back and gave to the poor. And every 50 years there was the year of Jubilee which completely reset the entire system so the rich could get incrementally richer But they couldn't get so rich that they could oppress the poor. And the poor never got so poor that they had nothing. There was always options for them. Now, I'm not advocating that we go to that in the United States. That's not even what Jesus has directed. But I think that that maybe should shape the way we think about these things in our culture. Because this is the way when God set up a society. That we should always look at all of these factors and and say, oh, there's injustice in society. So what do we do? How do we react well, one, it says that God gives food to the hungry, which is what, why, why we constantly are doing food drives. It's not just like, well, we need something to do. What are we going to do? Oh, let's collect some food. No, there are people in this area that don't have enough to eat, and we as Christians say, well, that's ridiculous. Let's help them out. So if you're hearing what I'm saying, then uh, maybe this next month you will go and fill up a grocery cart of all kinds of stuff and bring it over here to give it to people that you'll never meet never know but they are in desperate need Um, because that's what God does that's who God is he's the kind of God that gives to the poor Uh, he's the kind of God that sets the prisoners free now you might think wait that's a bad thing people in prison are bad people why is he setting prisoners free well the reason why is because God knows that every society that has a justice system there's injustice in that justice system And there are plenty of people in jail that shouldn't be in jail. And there are plenty of rich, very wealthy people that should be in jail that are not. Why? Because in this country, if you have money, you can hire lawyers and accountants to get you off of anything. And if you don't have money... You have to fend for yourself. You might get a a public defender that has like 50 cases, and this is why the poor people end up in jail, and the rich people get lighter sentences, or they just get a fine or something like that. That is injustice, and God knows it, and it's been injustice ever since the Old Testament. It's always how it's worked. There's people in prisons that should not be in prison, but they're there because they had nothing to work with. Uh, It says that God opens the eyes of the blind. And this has led throughout the ages Christians to care about uh, medical needs of people. Christians were the ones that started hospitals. And now we have hospitals everywhere. But back in the day, the only people that had hospitals were the ultra-rich. So Christians started hospitals for people who were also poor. He lifts up the bowed down. This is, in our city, would be the homeless. They're bowed down. And by the way, like, unless you think, well, man, they should just get their act together. I, you know, I did ministry in downtown Reno for a long time, talked with a lot of homeless people. You know what? I, I don't think I ever came across the, the proverbial lazy homeless guy. Every single person that I ever met either had severe trauma, drug addiction, they had been in war, and they had post-traumatic stress disorder that led them to a place where they just drink all day trying to control... Uh, the effects of that so i want you to have some when you see all the homeless people in los angeles have some compassion oftentimes they're there because they have no other options they're there because of their addictions they're enslaved they need help they need hope so god lifts up those who are bowed down god, uh, uh, listen to this. it says that he watches over the sojourner which is the immigrant God is watching over the immigrants that are fleeing for refuge, and He loves them. And He sees them as His image, even though they're dirt poor and they have nothing. They're trying to come into this country, trying to find a refuge. And then even the immigrants that are in this country that are here illegally, God is watching over them, according to the Scriptures. Uh, He upholds the widows which in this day the widow would have been somebody that had nobody to provide for them. Their husband has died, and now they're on the street begging. He upholds the orphaned, those who were uh, without parents, those who were without father and mother. He's the one that reaches out to them. and The Christian church has always been known for adoption and foster care, and we need more of that. Because the Christian presence in this world, instead of fighting culture wars and trying to take the government over, the Christian presence of this world is to bring compassion and mercy and to be a voice for justice. Wherever we see injustice as Christians, we have to have the strength as Christians and the voice to stand up and say, this is evil, this is wrong. And if we do that, we'll be hated by the world, especially those who are in power. Because the ones who are in power know that they could alleviate a lot of the pain, but they choose not to. They have other agendas. They have other things that they're working on. They have other things that are going on. And so we need to be a constant voice for those being oppressed, for those at the bottom as the Christian church, because nobody else will speak for them. But we have been saved by somebody who lived, chose to live in poverty, had no possessions, walked around preaching the gospel and healing the sick and feeding the poor. We worship somebody who did this every day of his life and he tells us, you go and do likewise. Now at the bottom of this passage it says that the way of the wicked he will bring to ruin. What does that mean? Well the wicked in this context is those who have power, have money, have influence, and instead of using that power, money, and influence to help, they use that power, money, and influence to get further ahead, to gain more. And God says that's wicked. What we most prize in this country, to be a billionaire, to be a multimillionaire. I'm not saying this about every single billionaire and millionaire, but I am saying that according to Scripture, that those folks that, that live that way and hoard that much and don't do anything with it to care for others, but instead use it to gain their own power and advantage, God calls them the wicked. So with that, here is here, the call. First is this. The preaching of the Word of God and the administration of the sacraments in the church is the primary mission of the church. Okay? So I'm not saying that social justice is the mission of the church. It's not. What is the mission of the church is the preaching of the gospel and reconciling sinners and baptizing people and giving them communion. That's the mission of the church. But when we do our mission, if that's the root, the fruit will be social justice, both as Christians and in our public society as we're speaking to our society. So if we're really preaching this word and really believing the gospel that we are saved by grace alone, then we will be people that give grace alone to the world and we will give away freely. And by the way, you know, when the Bible talks about good works, it's not talking about what we think about as good works in evangelical America. We think of good works as like, you know, read my Bible, go to church, that kind of stuff. Good works always in the New Testament almost always is talking about doing justice and care for the poor. In the book of James, you know when he says faith without works is dead? The entire book is talking about justice and social justice issues. So he's not talking about the kind of pietistic works that we see in American evangelicalism. He's talking about... Uh, works that care for the poor. The, and the, the reason for all of this is the gospel, as we've already said. First Peter, up on the screen, First Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So we were the unjust, he was the just. What does a just person do for an unjust person? A just person steps in the gap and lifts that person up. And this is what Christ has done. Now, because we're about to have baptisms, the rest of this passage is this. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So last picture for you before I wrap it up. Baptism is this picture of we being united to God. And so we go under the water, meaning we go into his death. And his death, like the, water, the picture of the water, cleanses us. And then we come up new, we go under the water unjust. We come up just. And because we have been justified and baptized into his life, we now live in the world the way that he lived. With compassion, with care, with speaking up, with speaking to power, with speaking up for the poor, reconciling, giving, serving the least of these. Because that's what our Lord has done for us. And baptism is the picture of how he did it. So with that, let's pray. Father, make us a church that cares about social justice. Make us a church that fights for the least of these. Make us a church that is aware of what you're aware of. The thousands in this city, maybe millions, of people living in poverty, needing help. May we see them, and may your spirit give us creativity to know how to help them, both as individuals and as a church. And We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.